My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. All right, well, welcome to Our Sunday School. If you got your Bibles, open up to... What book are we in again? Yes, we're in Mark. That's right. Excellent. Good. Yes. All right. So, oh, it is, it is remarkable. Yes. The, um, oh, he's been waiting several months to say that. That's, that's okay. All right. So as you'll notice, uh, each week we're going to pick a verse to pick up from where we left off last week. So this week we're going to start with uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, and for those of you wondering, yes, I did the math. Um, if we continue at the rate that we did last week, it will take us 14 years to get through Mark. So uh, we, will, we will move along a little quicker as we go, but that's, that would be all right too. So, uh, so at the top of your handout, uh, I've gotten a little statement here. Our approach each week will be to reap, uh, to read, explain, apply, and personalize. And historically, what we have done is we have taken all the apply and the personalize and waited to the very end to write those down. But if you see a good application, stop and write it down. Uh, also, you have my teacher notes in front of you as the handout today. So I don't have anything else that I'm uh, teaching from. Well, I have my Greek New Testament, but it's, you know, I, I understand about every fourth word of it. So it's, you're, we're really probably on the same page here. Uh, but as we see these applications and personalizations, we will capture them. So let's start with reading uh, Mark chapter 1 to give us some context as far as to where we're at and where we're going. So Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. 
And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Don't you just love reading about Jesus? It's just amazing. Right, Luke? Isn't it awesome? Yes. He just does amazing things. And I think it's interesting the way John sets all of this up. So I asked this question uh, last week. And uh, where would you start if you were talking to someone who didn't know Jesus? Where would you start in the Bible talking about Jesus? And open book, where does Mark start? He starts in Isaiah, right? And, and I, I thought about this a lot this week, and I, I still just, I wouldn't put my bookmark there and go, yep, let's start from Isaiah and launch off of Isaiah. Um, but the amazing thing about Mark's gospel, look at the, the beginning of it here. It says, uh, beginning. There's actually not even an article in front of beginning. It's just beginning. And a lot of people think that that's a, it's a bit of a section heading for the first probably 13 verses or so. Uh, or the first maybe 10, 12 verses that are this introduction of who Jesus is. And if you think about it, you can go back to any part of history and Jesus is there and is working in a way that sustains and promotes glorifying the Father. It is beautiful. So if you go all the way back to before the worlds existed, Right? Was Jesus around then? Yes. All right. So let's let's make sure we get this right. 
So if you go all the way back to before the worlds existed, was Jesus around then? Good. All right. This is, uh, there's a really bad, bad theological uh, principle going on around, around right now saying that uh, Jesus came into being when he was born. And thank you, Josh. That's exactly what you should do when you hear bad theology. Your face should go like that, like that uh, when Ike was a little baby and you fed him something that he didn't like and he, he like just spit it. Like That's what you should do with bad theology. Just spit it out, right? And then ask the person that said that, have you read the Bible? Let me read you some because Jesus has always been around. Uh, before there was actually time, which hurts my head to think about, but that's another lesson. So the beginning of the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, how many of you have your hand out from last week? Somebody have your hand out from last week? Awesome. Pull out your hand out from last week and tell me what the number was and how many times Jesus showed up in last week's handout. And then somebody tell me how many times he showed up in this week's handout. And I will explain to Mr. McGarvey why I did not contact him this week. So... How many last week? Ninety-four? For the word Jesus? What is it this week? You're like, wait, what? What's happening? Is the universe ending? Has Jim lost his ever-loving mind and is, doesn't know how to count? All right. So if you look at the little... What do the words mean? I'm going to read you this text real quick. So scripture quotations are from the ESV. So that's the text we're using through this series. In the 2016 edition, uh, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, Brian reads from his, uh, his old ESV sometimes. And if you're using the Bible app, some of his words will be a little bit different because they're different revisions of this as you go through it. Now, the bracketed informations come from Strong's Concordance. So it's just a lot of Strong's Concordance data uh, from the Word Search Bible software. And the verb parsings are from the Nestle Elan 27th UBS 4 uh, at Step Bible. Now, some of you are like, I don't care about any of that. All right. So we talked about textual variants last week, this idea that there are different uh, words in different manuscripts, but that do they, do they agree on points of theology? All right. Come on, guys. Yes. yes, they agree on theological principles, right? There is no theological principle that the manuscripts disagree on. There's just not. They are shockingly, shockingly uh, in agreement. Uh, and as we study and do more historical research, we find more and more better manuscripts from earlier in Christianity. And as we find more and more better manuscripts, we go back and we update our resources and we make them better and better and better because that is good and helpful research, right? So the version of the Greek text that I was using last week was a much, much older version. This is a much newer, better, shiny version. And for those of you that have one of these at home, uh, it actually aligns very, very closely with the one that you have at home, which is kind of cool. So the numbers changed this week. Most of them changed by just one or two. This one changed by quite a bit, but... Uh, just a heads up. I want to be very transparent in the resources that I'm showing you. Uh, all right, so back to verse 1. So the beginning of the gospel, this good message, this good news about who? About Jesus, that's right. Who are we talking about, Luke? We're talking about Jesus, that's right. Come on. All right. Uh, who does Mark... Now, how many of you have read the gospel of Mark? The entire gospel of Mark since we assigned it for Christmas? Keep your hands up if you have. 
If you have not, I'm going to give you the exact same advice today. That you open up your Gospel of Mark and you begin to read Gospel of Mark all the way through. This time will be far better spent you just reading the text than listening to me talk about uh, these particular words. So at the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus. So those of you that have read the Gospel of Mark, who does Mark focus on? He focuses on Jesus. Why would he focus on Jesus, Tim? Right. This is the testimony of his life and death and resurrection, right? Because Jesus changed everything, right? Changed everything for Mark. He changed everything for these disciples. He changed everything for us. He changed everything for the entire world. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Here you go, Daniel, verse 2. Progress, it's okay. I figured there'd be like a wave or something going on. We get to verse 2 today. All right, so as it is written. Now, I have an English expert in the room today. <clears throat> no? All right. Well, I'll give you the cheats on the, on the screen. So you'll see that I have highlighted a couple of different things, and these are things that I just want to point out as we go through. So this is uh, Strong's number 1120. I'm looking at the word written. Uh, Strong's number 1125. This is the Greek word uh, grapho. This is third singular perfect indicative passive. And you're all looking at that, and you're going like, Huh? Right? It's my best Bill Brandenburg impression. Sorry. So let's do a quick review of uh, Greek tenses. Of Greek tenses. Uh, so Greek verbs have a, a number. So they can be plural or singular. Uh, Greek verbs have a gender. Uh, Greek verbs have... Well, hang on. Do they have a gender? Nouns have a gender. Do the verbs have a gender? I don't, know that the, I don't think the verbs have a gender. Uh, but they have tenses. They, ha they have lots of different... They have moods. They have, it's, there's a, there's very, a lot of stuff being communicated. And you know this by how they're spelled, which is shockingly complicated to explain. I'm not even going to get into that. But what I have done in the handout is I have, uh, we have captured all of these different tenses because sometimes the tenses will tell us exactly where we are and how we should be thinking about how to look at this word. So present tense is right now continuous. Uh, aorist is the, the aorist is the idea that this thing happened and I'm not worried about when it happened. It just, it was an occurrence of a thing. Uh, imperfect is continually or repeatedly happening in past time, right? So this is something that happened over and over and over in the past. Perfect is completed action with the results continuing. So many times we'll talk about the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and the way that we talk about it is perfect tense. So there was something that happened in the past, and those results are continuing to today. This is a really, really good thing. We as Baptists view salvation as a perfect tense act. Our salvation was completed at some point in the past, and it continues to today. This is a really, really good thing. And then future is obviously, this is probably, the, this and present are the two easiest ones to get. Right? Present is right now, and future is in the future, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this, this is not shockingly complicated here. So let's take a look at uh, verse 2. So as it is written, this is a perfect tense. So this is completed action with the results continuing, which tells me that Mark knew where to go get a copy of the thing that he's quoting here. This was something that still existed at this time. You, you following with me here? Now, I am intentionally picking a spectacularly easy example of this because we will get into portions of Mark that are not spectacularly easy, <laughs> talking about perfect tense. So I, I want to teach with a very simple, and then we'll get into the more complex as we go along. All right. 
So that's our perfect tense. So as it is written in where? In Isaiah. All right. So now I skipped over the question at the, at, toward the top of the handout there. Are there any literary or structural observations? All right. So Mark makes a reference to an Old Testament book. So when you see a New Testament author do this, what do you think we ought to do? We ought to go look it up, right? Because we want to be good Bereans. We want to go compare Scripture. We want to make sure these things are true, make sure these things are right. So in the... Now, the, there's like two things that I don't like about this little copy of Mark. One of them is they don't have references in here, right? So, however, if you just want to be exposed to the text, that is a very good thing because it will lead you through just read the text and not get distracted with lots of other things. We get distracted with a lot of the, uh, the markings in Bibles today, right? Because, I mean, what other book do you read where there are tiny little print references on either side or in the middle of every single page? You read other books like that, right? That's Tom Clancy book you bought. He didn't have little references. No, 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 no. You just read the text, right? It's one of the things that I like about this tiny little book is that none of that's there and you're not distracted with it. So look in your margin of your Bible. If you have a, a physical copy of the Bible that's not the little one, uh, what is the reference? What part of Isaiah? Because Isaiah is a, 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 it's a big book. And if you just want to start reading in chapter 1, it, like Mr. Bandy, it might take a minute to get to where he's actually referencing. So we want to know. It might help to have a little more specificity. So Milo, what does it say? 40. That's fantastic. Chapter 43? Isn't that the most awkward thing to try to say? Isaiah 40, and then there's awkward pause, 3. You're like, wait, did, did you mean to say 3? No, chapter 40, verse 3. So let's go to chapter 40, verse 3. And while you're flipping over to chapter 40, verse 3, let's talk about how people in New Testament times use the Old Testament. Because many times when we use Bible references, which they didn't have then, by the way, I mean, they had buckets for the Psalms, Right, but not much more. They certainly weren't all numbered at this point. Chapters and verses are things that have come in the last several hundred years. So the the way an Old Testament, uh, the way a New Testament teacher or someone explaining Old Testament text uh, would talk about specific pieces, is they would they would quote a piece of the Old Testament, and we know this from uh, historical records from the Jewish rabbis of the time. But the Jewish rabbis had this method of asking questions and answering questions. And if the Jewish rabbi wanted someone to focus on uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3, he would not quote Isaiah 40, verse 3. He would quote Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. And the student would be expected to know all of Isaiah 40 and to know what came after. And the student's response then to the question of right before the text would be something that would be right before the text of where you want to answer that text with. And if you think this sounds complicated, it's because it's really complicated. <laughs> you basically have to have the Old Testament text memorized, and you have to understand how to use it in a way of questioning and answering that was very challenging. So if you've ever wondered why Jesus asked so many questions in the Gospels, because if you read through the Gospel of Mark, Luke, did you notice that he asked any questions? He asks a lot of questions when you go through Mark, right? Yeah. So you read through the Gospel of Mark, and he's asking these questions, he's asking these questions, he's asking these questions. He's pointing people back to the text and saying, what does the Bible say? Right? So when Mark references Isaiah 40, verse 3, don't stop reading at verse 3. Keep going. 
Because yes, he's talking about verse 3, but he's also talking about a couple of verses afterward. So I'm going to start with the cha- chapter 40, verse 1, and we'll just read through. And if anything after verse 3 sounds familiar in the life or work or speech of Jesus, this is foreshadowing, guys, okay? Right? So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So that's the verse that Mark quoted. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And nothing in there could be any type of a reference at all to anything Jesus would do, right? Yeah, so when you see Old Testament references, don't stop. Where your margin refers, keep going, because there will be things that the author of that New Testament book is going to pull up and going to pull up and going to pull up and going to pull up. See, we read the Bible like 21st century Americans. Mark, careful, careful. (laughs) Mark was not a 21st century American. Okay? So we might want to know how he read and how he explained so that we then can translate for our particular purposes. So, how far have we gotten? We've gotten halfway through verse 2. That's good. Yeah, we're good. So, as it is written in Isaiah, the what? The prophet. So what does a prophet do? prophet tells the truth about what? Whatever God told him to say, right? And if the prophet doesn't tell the truth, then the prophet has a bad day, right? Actually, a very bad day. It's like you had to have 100% accuracy in your prophecy, or you were a false prophet, and false prophets were dealt with swiftly and severely, right? So Isaiah is a prophet. A prophet looks at the situation at hand, is listening for a word from God, and calls God's people to go back to the law and obey the law and obey the voice of God. So here's what Isaiah says. Did you get to turn the page in your handout? Awesome. Behold. Now, I have highlighted the word behold. Actually, I've highlighted the word imperative. This is a command. Um, sometimes we look at these little introductory words as, oh, yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine. So, Isaiah is saying, I am commanding you to pay attention to what I am about to say. All right? Now, one of the things that I teach is I teach high schoolers how to take a specific test. And uh, one of the things that I teach in the class is how to sit. You're like, what? Why does that matter? Well, we sit in lazy ways sometimes that can help us be distracted, that open up our ability to be distracted by lots of different things. So I'm going to show you how I teach my high schoolers to sit. So both your feet are on the floor. Your toes are, yeah, if you can reach, sorry. (laughs) 
uh, your toes are pointed at the material that you are working on. Okay, your butt's all the way in the back of the seat. You're sitting up straight, and then you lean in. So when I hear somebody in the Bible say, behold, I'm like, okay, I really got to pay attention here. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Now, does this sound like anything we just read in Isaiah? Yeah, you know why? Because he's quoting Isaiah here, okay? Good. So behold, I send. Uh, the Greek word there is uh, apostoleo. The, this idea that uh, someone is on a mission. They are set apart for a specific thing. I send my messenger, my agalos. My, uh, this word is translated angel many times in the New Testament. Uh, before, in front of your face. I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way. Now, who is Mark talking about? Stop. This is open book. Who is Mark? You're going to want to say a name, and the name you're going to want to say is not right for this answer. So who is Mark talking about? John the Baptist. Good. Right. Not every Old Testament prophecy about things that happen in the New Testament is about Jesus. Okay? Not everyone is. Now, if, if you made a, like a pie chart, the sliver <laughs> that is not about Jesus is very, very small. It's shockingly small. But this one is actually about John the Baptist. So I send my messenger before your face who will prepare. So this is something he's going to do in the future. He's going to create. He's going to construct your way. Now, you see the hodos there, the, the road, the word highlighted after way? Like, how do you introduce the Son of God to the world, right? Do, do you just drop him in and hope everybody figures it out? Or do you put someone in front of him who can't shut up about what's about to happen, right? I, I don't know the last time that you, you didn't know a certain event was going to happen, and then... You, you, somebody interacted with your world who couldn't stop talking about it. This is the person that shares this thing on Facebook 400 times, and you're like, I have to unfollow you now because, come on, right? I mean, just over and over and over and over. And John had this relentless message, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe, because he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Right? And this was John's mission on the earth, was to prepare the way for Jesus, which, that's a pretty cool job. Right? That was his gig. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, he stood out just a little bit, right? Yeah. So in case you're wondering, uh, it wasn't normal then to wear a bunch of camel hair and to eat locusts nonstop because it's weird, right? They had other things they could have eaten. Like imagine going to a fine dining restaurant, like, you got any locusts? Just like bring the locusts. And I'm not talking like chocolate dip, some kind of, no, 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 just like a plate of locusts. I'll just take locusts today. I don't know the last time, what, what did we have for breakfast this morning? Anybody know? Goodness, was it locusts? Any locusts present? No? Yeah, hash brown casserole, right. 
sans locus, right? This is good. This is good. So behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. So whose way are we talking about here? It's Jesus' way. Okay, great. Is there anything that we as New Testament believers might be instructed to do that mimics what John's job was? Just maybe, right? Some of you are like, please don't tell me I'm supposed to wear camel's hair and eat locusts. Please don't. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. See, we each are going to engage with people who don't know Jesus. And one of our roles that mimics John's is to prepare this way. So, who will prepare your way? Verse 3. I wasn't sure we'd get there. The voice, the phone, this, this, this audible voice of one crying. Now, you notice this is the present active participle. You remember what present active participles are? Repeated, 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 repeated. This was not John woke up one day and went, I think I'm going to go out in the wilderness and shout Jesus' name once, and then I'm done. No, not quite. He repeatedly shouted in the wilderness. This is a lonely place to be. Prepare the way of the Lord. This is what he was saying. He, he, was, he was shouting, prepare this imperative, the way, the same word used uh, up earlier. Uh, the way of the Lord. So what is John's message about Jesus? Get ready. Because who's coming? Right. Messiah's coming. Yeah, this is the Lord. This is not a normal person. Make another imperative. So John was about telling people what to do. He was not shy to go tell people what to do. Make, (coughs) excuse me, make his paths Straight, or his rut, straight. I don't know the last time you got in a rut. You ever been in a rut in your daily life, or maybe even on a physical road? Um, and if you're, if you're lost in the woods, ruts are fantastic. Because somebody's been there before, and they've been there enough to wear a path, and this might be a way out. And if you think about where Israel is in their history, it's been a few hundred years since a prophet stood up and said, I have a word from the Lord. And John is saying, here is a path to God. It is through this man and this man alone. Which would have been very exciting to those who had been waiting to hear from God. So what does he say? Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And then in verse 4, what do we get to? What happens? What happens in verse 4? John appeared, right? Okay. So some writers have a really slow burn lead in. Like, you, I don't know if you ever watched the Netflix series and it's like episode 5 before you figure out what, like, oh, this show's really about that. Okay, got it. This is not Mark. First sentence, Jesus Christ. Four verses in, I'm setting John up, John appears. Right? Uh, if Mark made a movie about Jesus' life, it would last like nine minutes. Right? I mean, just be, just bam, 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 bam. Like a novella or something. I mean, just crazy, short, tight. John appears doing what? 
Now, how do you get people to the wilderness? If you're putting on a show in the wilderness, how are you getting people to the wilderness? What's that? Free locusts, yeah. I don't think that billboard's going to work. <laughs> you have to have something that's not quite normal, right? Would you agree? If you want to get a lot of people to a place that a lot of people don't go, you've got to have something that's not quite normal. Yeah, it's got to be real. Right, absolutely. It's, it, like, whoever this guy is, I think he really believes this. Right? So John appears baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, look at this word baptizing. It's the Greek word baptizo. We're going to, we'll, we'll actually start here next week in verse 4. But the, uh, this idea is that you are immersing. And this is a present active participle as well. He didn't just baptize one person. There was a lot of people that he was out baptizing. So, homework for next week. Here we go. Where is John on the map when he's doing this? Would you go out to see him? Because if we don't make this personal, then it's just academic, right? Hey, Josh, I heard about this guy who dresses weird and eats weird. He's baptizing people in the middle of nowhere. You want to go see him tomorrow? (laughs) We are, aren't we? Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? You would. That's right. Let's tease this for a second. If he was saying something that was the fulfillment of something you've been trained for your entire life, if he was saying this thing is here now, it's here now. It's here now. Right. Come on. Come on. Come on. But is that what they do? No, no. Right. Yeah. Love it when I knock over a domino and they just fall. It's beautiful. Most of us probably eat Chattanooga. You know, we got all the restaurants in Chattanooga now. How many of us know what Paul at Bistro is? I mean, oh my goodness. It's supposed to be a great place. It's like freaking out there in nowhere Cleveland. It is. All right, so question for next week. Would you go? And if you went... Who would you invite to come back and see this again the next day? Because you did this a lot, an awful, awful lot. So you're blank at the end of your handout. Our schedule next week, we'll start with Mark 1, verse 4. We've doubled our rate as we go through Mark. <clears throat> I feel very good about this. All right, Daniel, last comment, and then we'll go into our prayer time. think you're onto something there. We're going to explore that and pull that thread just a little bit. All right, so you've got your weekly update on the table. It looks like this. So grab your weekly update. 
Lean in, engage, pray as a table over those requests. Update any requests if you would. And then when you are finished, you are dismissed to go and to worship collectively this one that John could not shut up about. It is beautiful. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.